Welcome to the Fallon Forum. Hey, it's Ed Fallon with you here, folks. We're broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America, as I prefer to call it. Hey, um, thanks to our sponsors, including Gateway Marketing Cafe at Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, check out Gateway Marketing Cafe. And a quick shout-out to the Des Moines Irish Session for providing our bumper music. And a shout-out to all the individual listeners like you who participate in our monthly pledge program and help make this program possible. All right, later in the program, Charles Goldman is going to join me. We're going to be talking about January 6th and about also the worsening condition of American highways when it comes to safety. And then Kathy Burns will be joining us for a conversation about maple syrup. But first, it is my delight to welcome to the program J.D. Schulten. Hey, J.D., how are you doing? It's good to see you again. J.D. is a state representative from uh, northwest Iowa, uh, one of only two representatives in the western half of Iowa who are Democrats. Right. <laughs> and the only one in, in uh, the 32 counties that make up northwest Iowa. So <laughs> Congratulations it, on being uh, being lonely. <laughs> it, is, it is a lonely thing. But, uh, you know, that's part of the reason why I decided to run for state house was I, there was a possibility that this was going to be the case, and I don't think we just need any old Democrat, I think we need somebody who has a lot of roots when it comes to my congressional run and everything in a lot of these areas. And so that was kind of my thinking about well, that. And you are definitely not any old Democrat. Um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate your newsletter, uh, <laughs> which is, I believe... Uh, you're probably uh, getting screwed. You're probably getting screwed. Um, yeah, I've never known any other Democrat, uh, or Republican for that matter, yeah. to put forth a such a bold title. And I mean, you, you talk about what's called the uh, Second Gilded Age. Yep. So so the the newsletter or the Substack, and you can get it on screwed.substack.com, <laughs> <laughs> to put in a plug, uh, and it's free. Um, it, it's It has really nothing to do with my campaign, uh, but, but politically it's where I'm at, and it's so I think in my where I'm at politically and everything, I see this thing happening in the country, especially here in the Midwest. And I think there's a movement waiting to happen, especially in this potentially post-Trump world once we get there. <laughs> uh, Whether think, it be uh, the next year or, or five years from now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or who knows when. Yeah. But but I mean, you see that with the strikes. Uh, I mean, I've talked to farmers who would always vote for me and ones who would never vote for me and everywhere in between. I talk to workers, I talk, all types of Iowans. And I don't get any pushback when I say a lot of the things that I bring up in this newsletter. A lot of, it's an economic populist newsletter, uh, but we try to be more inclusive and, and uh, have all different types of voices on yeah, it. I look at some of the, uh, some of the uh, newsletters that have come through my inbox. Uh, one on inequality, where you talk about how America is uh, you know, where the, the place where the wealthiest ones are the richest in the developed world, and yet the poorest people here are most likely to be hungry. Yeah. You talk about ag monopolies. About um, interestingly, some some kind of niche stuff like Ticketmaster. Yep. <laughs> uh, and Spotify. I mean, Spotify. Interestingly, you know, they released their annual re, uh, wrap up. Uh, what's it called? Spotify Wrap. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they said Happy Holidays, and then then cut their workforce by seventy percent. Exactly. <laughs> God. Exactly. And you call this stuff out, and this is good stuff. I mean, people need to know about this. It resonates with people. Why are you pretty much the only voice in the Democratic Party in Iowa that's saying this stuff? I, well, I don't know. It's very frustrating to me because we've gotten a lot of polling uh, as a what, what whether it's the Iowa House Democratic Caucus and different groups I've seen, and all this stuff resonates. And so that's the thing I've been pushing for. And you look at like where I come from, the Northwest Iowa. The roots is small business, small communities, agriculture, and that's that's kind of the pr- old school prairie populism. It is, and that's yeah. that's the thread that I come from. And you talk about the greats like Berkeley Bedell and, and Tom Harkin and uh, yeah, Western Iowa used to be represented by two two pr- uh, progressive, progressive populists. Yeah. Well, and that's where the progressive <laughs> movement happened. Was sure in, back in the eighteen hundreds, right? Yeah. And so, and you look at even like even around Sioux City, just north of Sioux City, the the holiday, the farmers' holiday, and like the historic events on. Uh, the, what's happened between Lamar's and Sioux City? What I was mean, the farmers' holiday? The farmers' holiday is absolutely fascinating. It, it, and I'm not a history major, or I'm a history major actually, but, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm gonna butcher this a little bit. But basically, <laughs> farmers back in the day went on a strike, 
and they wouldn't allow uh, milk to be go into Sioux City and go into towns. And they put up farmers put up barricades so other farmers they they stayed in unison because they weren't getting a fair price. And they weren't getting a fair price. And I mean, sounds very French. Oh man, they they, it was fascinating, and there were murders, and and there was like it it is absolutely. We might argue that goes a bit too far. Well, right, but but, like, but I'm saying like that's how passionate it was, and then Sioux City's been an immigrant meatpacking town since the 1880s. And so, like, we're ripe to have that passion of of standing up for your workers' rights and standing up for human rights. Uh, th- that narrative is around. So back to my question: yeah. why, why are why are Democratic why is statewide and even to some extent nationally why are Democrats pretty much ignoring your approach to messaging? I, I mean, I don't know if they are. It's just you got to run on who you are, and this is kind of who I am. And what I think one of the things that we've seen is how the change of there's no more rural elected officials who are Democrats. And there's, and there's less and less working town, working class towns who have, who have Democratic reps as well. Exactly. And so then it becomes a Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City uh, mainstay in the Democratic Party. And it, we don't have the numbers. Whereas like Minnesota, you can win in Minneapolis. Uh, other states, Detroit uh, in Michigan, you can win by enough votes there. Uh, Georgia with just Atlanta, we're, we're much more spread out. And so uh, if I'm the Democratic Party, I mean, I'm not doing this because like I, it's, it's who I am. It's also politically, it's where people are at. And don't you think it's where the party needs to be? Uh, absolutely. So how do we get it there? That's why I do the Substack. Is it having any impact? Mm-hmm. Really? I would say, I, I know a lot of, it, it's what's really interesting to see my colleagues who I, I wouldn't say are the most progressive come up and be like, oh, I really liked your article this week or something like, or your video, because I do video sometimes with it. And it's, it's interesting to see, come, where some of the people are at when it comes to that. But like, I, I just, like, I think that's where Iowans are at for the most part. Uh, and I don't know, people I feel are fatigued by American politics, but mm-hmm. also yep. extremely frustrated. And so if we can garner that frustration and point them in the right direction, and and I, I'll be honest, like when it comes to Biden, I didn't, uh, he wasn't the person I caucused for back in 2020, but in my lifetime, I think he's the best president that we've had, and that the reason is because he's put people like Lena Khan at the FTC. He put uh, Jonathan Cantor at the head of the uh, DOJ in the antitrust division, and he's he had his competition executive order, which is the first time in my lifetime that a sitting president has mentioned and impact and and has done something about the importance of competition and and going after corporate greed and corporate monopolies. And because yeah, we are, okay. we're living in the second gilded age. Sure. And at the same time, um, there is a, a strong perception, and I would agree with this perception, that Biden has slipped tremendously. He's, uh, his age is becoming a problem. His health and well-being is becoming a problem. And I, I've known the guy since 1987. And <laughs> back in 2006, we spent a whole hour together one-on-one. And I, I, I know him well. He is absolutely slipping. And so the public perception that he may no longer be fit for the job is not based on just some some fantasy being promoted on on conservative social media. It's perception that's based on what people are actually seeing, and so despite what he may 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 have done that is commendable, right? That's a problem, and that tells me that this this guy is not going to get reelected. Well, I'm real concerned about that. I, well, trust me, I have a lot of concerns about 2024. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just trying to say that, like, as somebody who wasn't on his boat. To begin with, when the caucuses happen, to, for me to say, sure. I, I've been shocked at what they've been able to do. Is it enough? Absolutely not. Do I want a thousand times further to go? Absolutely. But but putting like the first step, it, it's been pretty impressive for me. But don't Democrats need to say, okay, Biden, well, well done. Here's your plaque. Um, enjoy retirement. We're going to get somebody new on the... Uh, on the ticket that's going to run with the uh, yeah, but run with the nomination. I mean, but there's no one who has ran a decent campaign to, to stand up to him. Well, the, the Democratic National Committee has not allowed 
a decent campaign. They they have done everything they can to to to, to thwart a primary. I mean, first and foremost, by taking away the Iowa caucuses. Oh right, trust me. In in like the way it's set up, I think is extremely dangerous mm-hmm. because the beauty of the Iowa caucus to me, and and we can get into like we don't represent the country and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but yeah. here's here's the point that I'm trying to make is that Iowa it was extremely important because you had to do retail politics. Right. And you look at the the two best campaigns in in my mind in 2020 who did that and got out there and had the campaigns and they had the candidates who went out there uh, were were Mayor Pete and Bernie. Pete, and and yeah, they and they, they weren't one and two. They pretty much finished tied tied for, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I think that matters because now the way it's set up, it's whoever has the most money because mm-hmm. you got to go up on air. And if there's a competitive primary, it's just TV ads, TV yeah. ads, TV ads. And and I think that's one of our big problems as a Democratic Party is we spend way too much money on TV ads. Sure. Uh, and we don't talk to voters enough. So when I first got elected, uh, you, it was basically the 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 understanding was Republicans had the money. Democrats had the shoe leather. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I mean, you remember Mike Fitzgerald. He was our state treasurer yeah, a for a time. long time. And he um, he'll, uh, he once told me that he spent $6,000 on his first campaign wow. for statewide office. Wow. <laughs> $6,000. You know, and you couldn't even, you couldn't even, I mean, that's laughable nowadays. That would be one donation, you know. Well, when I talked with Berkeley before he passed, Berkeley Bedell, a congressman from Northwest Iowa, sure. He uh, he told me that he would get one farmer to to donate a hog, and they would have a hog uh, roast, and it would be everybody. It would be twenty bucks for everybody. And he goes, "That was my big fundraiser." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we've got a problem. I mean, the, the Democratic Party has basically become irrelevant in Iowa. Nationally, it's still clinging, but I think the way it's heading right now, if they nominate Biden, uh, it's not going to go well. Too many people see a failing president. Physically, mentally, and that's going to, you know, resonate at the polls. And I so here's here's where I think what's going to happen, and and it's clear that as of right now, it's Biden versus Trump. Yep. And what I think well, we and saw, JFK. In, in, uh, and what we've seen <laughs> uh, between that, there is a, I, what I've saw from the Republican caucus is that. There is not that passion for Trump like there was. We had massive, like, you look at the uh, the amount of what I call shrines to him uh, when you would drive here in 20, when I was running for Congress in 2018 and 2020. You don't see those anymore. Well, they got to start putting them up again, don't you think? <laughs> well, but we just had a competitive caucus here. Why weren't they up? I wasn't then? competitive. It wasn't competitive at all. Well, Right, but like it's not because there was an overwhelming sign, but like there was a caucus going on. Sure, and you didn't see like I we had just there's only a couple Trump flags where I I live. There was two DeSantis signs. There was no Nikki Haley anything. I predict those those Those, Trump signs will proliferate. I don't know, but but bottom line is I think there's a split. So my my theory is that you've got you've got deep dissatisfaction with Trump and with Biden, and this creates an opening for a guy like RFK Jr. Uh, I, I mean, there are openings, and uh, and then you have the whole no labels uh, worried about putting somebody who uh, is pretty much Republican backing in um, yeah about that. Well, but it, then yesterday was the 14th anniversary of uh, Citizens United, sure, and which is one of the biggest impactful things that have happened in my lifetime, and it's only going to get worse. And so, so yeah. a little bit more time on state politics. I mean, again, the Democratic Party right now. Uh, the Democrats only have one statewide office. This is a, I mean, this is a state that historically has had either a half of the statewide offices have been Democratic or maybe a majority even. Right. Right now there's one, and that guy barely won. Right. Against a non-campaign, a non, non-opponent, basically. Yeah. And so, and you've got a House and Senate where, I mean, the Senate has a supermajority of Republicans. House is darn close. Mm-hmm. What has to change? Well, Democrats need. I, I think not having the caucus here is might be a good thing because we may not bring in the money like we used to, but we're going to focus on uh, voters and focus on getting turnout. That's the big thing I'm more focused on in Woodbury County is creating a turnout machine to make sure that our people are turning up to vote. But doesn't it all start with issues? I mean, yeah, uh, but but it's also like connected. I mean, it's 
connecting with folks, it's, there's not like an on-off switch. It's not binary. It's not one or zero. But what it is, it's a lot of different things. And so I'm trying to do, instead of, there's there's national stuff, there's state stuff, and there's uh, uh, local stuff. And so as much as I am doing stuff in national uh, uh, lanes, uh, the statewide stuff, I'm still trying to make sure that we have the infrastructure and doing okay with that. But I'm really hyper-focused, especially in 2024, on Woodbury County. Here's Sioux City, for example. 85,000 people live there. Only 27,000 are registered to vote. We have thousands of votes that we are not focused so on. So why are people not bothering to register to vote? Because pe- people don't aren't engaged. Okay, so back to my point. Yeah. There needs to be a, a focus on issues that matter to people, mm-hmm. which I think you're doing. Well, I'm Which I don't think the party is doing it. Right. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, that's, I guess, lead by example. And that's trying to what I'm trying to do. Uh, you know, I have a full-time job. I also work at the legislature. And then I do the Substack once a week. Uh, comes out Thursdays around noon for folks who are, <laughs> if they want to subscribe. Okay. Again, it's free. Four hours, uh, <laughs> four hours after the drop monitor is released. <laughs> weekly drop monitor. There you go. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, it's, it's I'm do, I'm just trying to lead by example, do the best that I can, and because uh, I think it's very important, and I do think that there's poten- so much potential. I have not given up on Iowa. Uh, I wouldn't be in politics I, if I, I give up. On I, I would never give up on Iowa, but I've, I've given up on the Democratic Party in Iowa. I don't, I don't see I don't see a path forward. The, the beauty of it, though, is if you get to change, you get to be the party. Like I think people get frustrated with the party a lot, and I hear that. But you you can make the changes. No, I disagree. They, they they ignore people like me. They ignore people then, like you. Well, but at the same are they, time, are they, are they not ignoring you? I don't I don't pay attention to if they're acknowledging me. Or I, I could care well, less. Then they what must I'm, be ignoring you. Well, what what I'm trying to do is create my own like create my own thing mm-hmm. in, in Sioux City because like Good. for for me it's it's not about like if you real if you rely on others. Uh, it's not going to happen, and you you can complain till the cow co- cows come home. But at the end of the day, it, like if you want change, it's about you getting uncomfortable, and you making the change yourself, and getting people on board with that. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do. But we do agree that the Democratic Party has to begin to do thing, things differently if it if if they're going to have an impact in a positive way. Yeah, I and to be honest, the current situation with what Rita Hart's doing, I think, has been positive. Uh, like we all want to, we we all want to have uh, the infrastructure there, and and w- it takes time. Uh, it what's really frustrating me is to see how much money has gone through the party, um, with the caucuses and all that stuff, and our data and our infrastructure are not like elite. They should be elite uh, with with all the campaigns that have come through here. And so maybe data and infrastructure aren't the where the party should be focusing. Maybe you should, maybe you should be focusing on the ways that people are getting screwed. <laughs> but that's all. It's all. It's, like I said, it's not binary. It's all part of the equation. So yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe may, another good example is. I mean, you mentioned Rita Hart, who I personally like. Um, but uh, here she is. You know, students at uh, two universities make a statement that's pretty balanced about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and she asked for their resignation. Um, oh, and you have a debate just in the House, uh, you know, this this past week, uh, with a resolution that is horrible. It's a, I mean, I yes, absolutely, Hamas needs to be condemned for what it did on October seventh. Yeah. But the resolution is, is all anti-Palestinian. No recognition of the loss there. And instead of Democrats fighting that, they just let it pass. Oh, I wouldn't say that. It's, really? It's, Was there any debate on the floor? We don't have debates on resolutions. And why House. not? Because that's the, that's the rule. That's a like new they, that's a new rule. Then I've never they, heard that. They do in the Senate. They don't in the House. They have no rule. No, they don't allow any any debate on on a resolution. It either either on resolutions we don't. Okay, and you're not allowed to amend a resolution. Uh, that I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know all, all the rules uh, when it comes to like the resolution side of it because I'm trying to get a couple resolutions uh, passed when it, uh, that are more agriculture focused, but. Here's the thing: is like from the state of Iowa, we're not going to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It is; it's been sure, absolutely awful. Not. It's been awful to watch. It's been awful just to hear the heartbreaking stories, and it's just it's. But when Republicans bring it up, Democrats ought to respond. If the if the Republicans bring up something that's 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 wrong, 
Yeah, but at the same time, you just don't go playing whack-a-mole on everything. Like, no. Like, th- here's the issue. At the end of the day, people are going to be upset no matter what you do. There's a theory that I came up with when I worked at a bookstore that if you gave every book away for for free, someone will complain about the bag it comes in. <laughs> and, and that, <laughs> well, if it's plastic, holds, I would. <laughs> <laughs> and that holds true in, in politics. And so at, at the end of the day, like, I, I'm, you know, there's you want to do – I want to do way much more than what I'm able to be able to do at the Capitol right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's limitations, uh, unfortunately, and especially when you're in the minority, uh, you're there's you have to kind of pick and choose your battles. You get that. Yeah. I mean, part of my my my, my complaint is that you've got the uh, the House Majority Leader uh, refusing to say how she voted on the on the resolution. People have a right to know how you vote, and if there's no actual recorded vote, you can get away with saying, "Well, I'm not going to tell you how I voted." That's that's a that that does not look that does not make Democrats look good. I would I mean I think it's more that the Republicans are trying to push some right wing agenda. Oh sure, that looks everything. bad too. Yeah, <laughs> that looks I, even I, worse. I think I think that's where the focus should be sure. on on frustration oh, like that. Yeah. Hey, we could talk about a lot yeah, of things, yeah. J, uh, JD, but um, got to move on. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yeah. I know you're busy. Um, JD Schulten, folks, a state representative from uh, Woodbury County up in Northwest Iowa, and uh, the uh, co-author of a publication with. Uh, with a, a guy I don't know, but I Justin to, Stafford. Justin Stafford. He, he, he's he works for the Minnesota Farmers Union, but they're not affiliated with this. Right. Uh, but out of Minnesota, if you're. But you guys an, do good work together. Thank you. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. He's a he's part of the anti-monopolist movement that we're trying to do. And, Great. Yeah. Well, again, a long tradition of progressive populism in Iowa, especially Northwest Iowa. Maybe this stuff will catch on. But you ought to subscribe to JD's newsletter, folks, if you want to do that. Um, Go to uh, Substack and look up... It, it's screwed.substack.com. Screwed.substack.com. Hey, thanks for joining us, folks. When we come back, uh, Charles Goldman will be joining me here on the Fallon Forum. Back in a minute. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant, Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks again to our sponsors, partners, supporters. Thanks in particular to Catholic Peace Ministry. Catholic Peace Ministry is an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese. Uh, It focuses on nuclear disarmament, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the need for diplomacy in Ukraine, and ending the permanent war economy. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. Thanks also to Western Optometry, located in Des Moines' East Village. Dr. Joel Westerman and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open from Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry. All right, hey, well, good to have J.D. Schulten join us for the first uh, part of this program, and now Charles Goldman's with me, and we're going to be talking about, uh, well, we're going to start off by talking about uh, the January 6th U.S. Capitol rally versus riot. Oh, but oh first, you mean the peaceful... The peaceful tour, the peace, the peaceful of, the, tour of the state, of yeah, the, the capital. U.S. capital. Right. But first, a couple of things. First, did you notice that DeSantis? Um, well, he, I mean, I, I was kind of, I was predicting he was done, and he's done, and I don't think mm. he has anywhere to go. And I love what one. Well, floor, he does. He goes back to his job as governor of Florida for a little bit longer, and then he can't run again. Right. Right. That's correct. And, and you know, I, I love the way one Florida uh, commentator phrased it. Uh, uh, DeSantis, DeSantis was trying to bill himself as 
Trump without the baggage, and he turned into I turned out to be Trump without the votes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so um, good news on climate. One, I mean, it's you're hard pressed to find good news on climate, but here's one. Last week, the Biden administration announced. Uh, some new regulations relevant to limiting methane emissions. And, of course, methane is, what, 28 times more potent as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So kudos to Biden for that. Um, and methane, of course, is one of the reasons why, although everyone's really you know, touting natural gas as a clean fuel. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. And not at all. Because <laughs> natural gas uh, mining actually is one of the biggest causes of methane leakage sure. into the and, atmosphere. And all, all, the, all the flaring that goes on as well. Mm. It's just, uh, yeah, so good you know, good that that's happening. Uh, and and I mean, what I wouldn't consider news of, uh, strange news, uh, apparently two Madonna fans are, are suing Madonna because she started her concert late. <laughs> we, oh, I, this just goes, this just goes back to this, what we've talked about before. We are just a country of, of whiners. <laughs> I mean, there's also well, uh, there's another two, suit out there. She was two hours late. Wait, well, okay, so okay. she was two hours late. There's another. There was another suit um, that's coming up where they're suing a group. Of people are suing the coffee places because they charge extra if they use oat milk or almond milk in your coffee drink. Well, I, maybe it costs <laughs> more than cow milk. Nevertheless, yeah. I mean, it it another inane suit. Yeah, oh, sure, the suit isn't, yeah, I don't blame the coffee shops for charging more. No. If the product itself costs more to buy. I, I didn't read through the whole details of it. I, I don't know if it was on the Epic Times. Maybe it was. All right, well, hopefully, uh, that's where you get most of your <laughs> that, news. Well, increasingly, that's where I go for my news. <laughs> All right, one, one, last, one last tidbit that I can't resist is the, uh, the and Iowa Senate panel uh, just unanimously voted, Democrats, the, the one or two Democrats on the, on the committee, voted with the Republicans to advance legislation that expands Iowa's law against sexually abusing an animal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's a nasty thing. And apparently, yeah. this is what got me. I had no idea, but animal abuse in Iowa is on the rise. And how, how are we determining that? I don't know, but there was, there was a recent story out of Cedar Falls where a guy was charged with sexually assaulting his dog, which is horrible. I mean, but what, what motivates people to do these things? And uh, I don't know that there's any yeah. answer to that. Anyway. At least not when I, I can... So the funny, the, the, if, if there is a funny story in this, it's from my, my experience with the bill. Um, they, they, they ran the first, the first bill along these lines was run years ago, back when I was a lawmaker. And I thought mm -hmm. it was, I thought it was just ridiculous. You were wasting all this time on a bill that dealt with something that I thought could have been dealt with in other ways. Mm. But um, so I, you know, I, I said, come on, this is, we shouldn't be doing this. I just vote no. And I was surprised that I was the only no vote. <laughs> But I came home. This is back in the day of the answering machines, right? Right. I come home and I, oh, you I press have, my answer yeah. machine and I get a voicemail. Ed, I love you. Ed, thank you. Anyway. Well, now now you, you probably get swatted by. Well, uh, honestly, I, I should have voted with it, you know. But yeah. it was it seems so silly to me to be spending all this time on it. And here we are spending time on it right now. We can talk, be talking so, about but, January 6th. But this bill passed previously? Yeah. So well, why did they have to update? I don't know. I'm not sure of the details of what what was wrong with the the 1996 legislation, whatever it was. Yeah. Well, but, I guess the I guess the Republicans feel like they've done most of their work already. So <laughs> that's right. You know, um, <laughs> get onto the small stuff. Yeah. Right? Now they can get onto the, the. That's exactly right. To, just to entertain everybody during their session. I mean, I can't. I mean, what what bills are going to make it really? They're, they're, I guess they want to redo the bill on ban, on book banning. Um, right. They and want to go to accelerate the taxes being reduced faster. Yeah. They, yeah. Some education stuff. And I mean, and maybe yeah. some. I mean, the Republican proposal on increasing teacher pay, if that is sincere, that's mm -hmm. a good thing. Yeah. So. And then they want to get rid of all these seem what they claim are you know supercilious and superfluous uh, advisory boards and everything the AEAs, else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, on to bigger matters. The January sixth, twenty. 21 rally. Uh, correct. Rally so, at the U.S. Capitol. And, and the reason I, I kind of brought this to you was that um, I, I was watching actually a couple weeks ago um, when uh, Elise Stefanik, who is a um, she's basically the number three person in the uh, House at this point for the Republicans, uh, pre previously a kind of centrist right. upstate New York uh, legislator 
who has gone, you know, the full Trump ever since. Mm. And mm. Um, in fact, initially, Stefanik, you know, thought that the people who uh, invaded the Capitol should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, as she, along with the other representatives, were cowering. But then she had a come, you know, to, a come to Trump slash Jesus moment. Correct. Yeah. And now, of course, um, she, uh, on Meet the Press, unchallenged as usual by, uh, you know, the mainstream media. Uh, I'm trying to remember, who is it? Uh, Welker? Yeah, Kristen Welker, who is who is the Meet the Press uh, host now, basically let go unchallenged that uh, uh, Elise Stefanik uh, referred to reprising something Trump had said just a couple of days before, referred to those who are in jail presently for the January 6th tumult uh, as hostages, um, which essentially went pretty unchallenged by Kristen Welker. And, um, right, because what's controversial about that? Right. Uh, the, and, 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 you know, the only person among the Republican caucus who said anything about the use of the term hostages was, interestingly, Joni Ernst, our senator. Iowa senator. Right. right. Who felt that using the word hostages for the um, January 6th rioters, or if you prefer the insurrectionists. Or ralliers. Or, well, ralliers, <laughs> right. Um, felt that the use of the word hostages in light of the hostages being held by Hamas at this point uh, was totally inappropriate. Well, and, she's uh, right, although it's not, it's, it's uh, and again, what, ha- what Hamas is doing with the Israeli hostages is terrible. But you know, there are a lot of situations around the world where hostages are taken for, you mm-hmm. know, for, for equally de- you know, detestable reasons. But this has become, again, part of the Republican you know, ecosphere because echo both in terms of ECO and ECHO. Um, <laughs> in terms clever, of, Charles, of clever. yeah, well, you know, these, these, these prosecutions, the majority of the prosecutions have uh, ended in the people being prosecuted pleading guilty. Um, and only, I think, two, only two people so far have been acquitted. But didn't Trump say he would free the, quote, hostages if he becomes president again? Well, he did. He didn't. And, and that now, of course, because, you know, everybody takes their marching orders from Trump. Now you're hearing, you know, candidates all over the country and some of the Republican representatives talking about, um, you know, that every, every, you know, every person who doesn't say that they would pardon everybody who was who has been jailed for January sixth uh, is a, a a rhino is a Republican in name only, you know and and this again That's the this, ultimate insult right, exactly um, and you know the the other candidates who purportedly were running against Trump in the primary since of course none of them really were since they would never say anything that would go against him except Chris Christie yeah except Chris Christie well um, Nikki Haley to some extent yeah but I mean there were you know every Almost all of them were going along with this idea. Now, some of them kind of finessed it by saying, well, they would pardon the nonviolent, the, you know, like the trespassers. Um, does, is, does breaking a window qualify as violence? Um, no. no. It would be if, if, if someone was clearly assaulting the police, the police officers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a, a big part of what's going on is the Trumpification of January 6th, which it, it you know, it helped out, of course, by the Speaker of the House releasing what he supposedly was releasing was all of the video, but somehow only a little bit of the video got released. And then, of course, even though all these people are innocent, he was he couldn't release the rest because they have to fuzz out the faces of the people there because they're innocent right. of anything. But you don't want to give them any more. You don't want to give the deep state any more information about these people <laughs> while you're releasing this. Um, you know, but it's it it again. It's just another example of the cravenness. I, you know, because Elise Stefanik again over the weekend got into a discussion whereby she claimed that it was the media. You know, because some uh, reporter asked her, um, you know, what about this issue of Trump and you know having sexually assaulted uh, the, the you know journalist in. Okay. Yeah, and who's, he's now on trial. Only, Carol. Yeah, E.G. Yeah. Carroll, right. Yeah. And, and, and he's now on trial having, he's already been convicted of doing that. Right. Right, in a civil trial. And now they're retrying, they're trying him again, but this time because he wouldn't shut his mouth after. Right. 
He's and not capable of doing he's that. He's not capable yeah. of doing it. That's correct. You know, and she's saying it's the media who's making up this narrative. And the reporter pointed out, no, he was convicted by a jury of his peers of sexually assaulting her. And the only reason he wasn't criminally convicted was the statute of limitations had ran out and it was only a civil, it was a civil trial. You know, but she went back to it. It's the media. The media is making all this up. Everything is the media. Everything is, you can look at the video and see what happened January 6th, but you, what you're seeing is not the truth, you know. And, um, you know, this is, this is kind of where we're at. And uh, everyone falls in line. Nobody has the bravery among mm-hmm. any of the Republicans. So what do you think will happen if Trump wins in November? In terms of, of January the host- 6th? The, quote, hostages. Oh, no. He'll, I, I think it's the— par- He'll pardon them all. I suspect he will. He can get away with that. He has pardon power. power. Yeah. yeah, they're federal crimes. That's like a thousand people, right? Um, I don't know that it's a, a, it probably is close to a thousand at this yeah. point, right? You know, and well, and some of this may go away because there's going to be um, a Supreme Court case questioning whether two of the um, laws they use to commit these people actually are valid. Use of, the, of those laws, two of which, by the way, are also what uh, Jack Smith is bringing yeah. uh, against Trump. Well, we shall see. Well, maybe we won't see. Who knows what will happen in November? Uh, hey, let's uh, take a short break here, uh, folks. It's uh, Charles Goldman joining me, Ed Fallon, today. And we're going to be back after a short break and talking about uh, the disturbing and significant uptick in traffic fatalities. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Years ago, Chef George Fromaro envisioned a new market to house all his favorite foods under one roof in the heart of Des Moines. From that vision, Gateway Market was born. Over the years, Gateway has become Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. Gateway's welcoming environment in downtown's Sherman Hill neighborhood encourages discovery and honors the simple pleasures of the table. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, experience the good food difference at Gateway Marketing Cafe. Catholic Peace Ministry was founded in 1981 to work for peace and justice. It's an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese and is guided by an ecumenical board representing many faith traditions. CPM focuses on the urgency of nuclear disarmament and the need for diplomacy in Ukraine. CPM also provides an educational forum about the permanent war economy, which must be challenged if we are to achieve lasting peace and justice. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks again to our sponsors, including Architecture by Synthesis. Owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. All right, Charles, so you've been um, studying some of the uh, more recent data relevant to car accidents, fatalities, uh, injuries, and um, the trends are disturbing. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm personally, as a pedestrian, I'm also disturbed by what we're seeing in terms of pedestrian fatalities. Those are increasing as well. But but start us off with what you've been looking at, and uh, we'll go from there. So um, I, think, I think the history of... The safety of, of vehicles is an interesting one in the United States, you know. And, um, you know, back in the 1950s, I mean, cars were basically engineered to kill you in an accident. <laughs> they weren't uh, designed that way. but there Well, was, there, was because no, there was no concern on right, the part of corporations right. that were making cars to do anything. And, and the reason why was, Cheaper, what do you think? Right? Of Cheaper, course, yeah. of course. Yeah. So I, I think it, it, it's an interesting case study, you know, because all we hear from the— Republican, you know, free marketeers, is that if you just let the if you just let the free market, you know, set standards, everything will be fine. And what we have to do, and of course that's the, that's the Republican program, is get rid of regulations mm-hmm. and lower taxes. Right. And the corporate and, and and basically 
if you want a safe car, then you'll pay for it, right? And if you don't, you have the freedom to not, not, buy, not to pay not extra buy, for your car. To not buy a car with an right. airbag so, or brakes. <laughs> That's right. Or both windshield wipers instead of just one. Right. No, but the point was that, you know, in the 1960s, um, the government basically started to say enough's enough. Because at that point, um, with m many fewer cars on the road than we have today, many fewer people driving, the average... And shorter distances, too. That's correct. And, and, and still with mass transit that allowed people in some places not to have to have a car to get around and do right. everything by car. Right. Um, in the 1960s, you know, the average year in the 1960s was about 60,000 um, deaths, motor vehicle deaths. In the 60s. In the 60s. And um, that was equal to basically the entire casual, the entire death that we, the number of deaths we saw in the Vietnam War. Okay. So in one year. And of course, it, it points to this whole thing of, you know, people are petrified that of flying. Many people are petrified of flying. But, you know, as they say, you're much more likely to be killed on the way to the airport as opposed <laughs> to, you know, getting in a plane, even ones that, you know, the doors they are flying. They weren't built by Boeing. They, they, <laughs> that's right, that the doors are flying off. But the point was is that there was a concerted effort in which basically um, a lot of the things people really like about cars, like even something like the, you know, rear view camera, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't run over your own kid when you're backing out. Um, those sorts of things. Adding airbags. Adding three-point belts instead of lap belts. You know, the the kind of, you know, visualization you have around your car now. Mm -hmm. All of that has has basically been pushed by government sure. action. Yeah, well, and, and people like Ralph Nader. Right. Yeah. So... I mean, Nader did, Nader did tremendous things for automobile safety. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. he wrote because he, uh, he yeah he wrote the book Unsafe at Any Speed. Gosh, he would have made a great president. <laughs> yeah, if he hadn't interfered. <laughs> Although, the, it's always been argued that maybe he, people voting for him, did not determine the 2000 election. I don't. But we digress. Don't, I, I don't believe that. I think it it, it did. But anyway, um, so we actually before the pandemic were down to. Le around 30,000 deaths a year. Still a lot. A lot, but half of what it was in the 1960s. With less cars with on. Way, way more, more cars, cars on the Way road, more yeah. Yeah, miles per person being driven. Yeah. And way more people driving. But since the pandemic, things have really taken a bad turn. Um, and one of the things that's driving this is, you know, we have become a extraordinarily mean and self-obsessed country you know and people drive that way now and coming out of the pandemic they are driving faster they're driving faster in places which it's one thing to be driving fast and speeding on a highway that's sure. built yeah. for higher speed but you have people well, we, we see it in down we see it in yeah. downtown Don't you we? see, see it, it on streets yeah. where people yeah. are driving on yeah. side streets at twice the speed limit yeah you know, people are, you know, passing on the shoulders, going 60 miles an hour. You know, it's it's just... It, so it's not, what, it's th up to 30,000 deaths a year now. Uh, right, but it's... It, but it's no, it, it, that was the nadir. It's now heading back toward the 40 range. 40 range, okay. And the other yeah. element of this is getting back again to selfishness and overconsumption oh. is the fact that the biggest selling cars now, they're not mm. even cars. They're tanks. They're tanks, right? The biggest, the biggest sellers now are pickup trucks, and large SUVs. And most of the pickup trucks being sold are to people who really don't need them. For That's work. correct. They, they, yeah. The only off-road driving they're doing in these vehicles is if they miss their their you know their driveway and drive on their own lawn. <laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> And you can't argue that you're buying a pickup truck because you have a large family. First of all, uh, you know, Americans all the, don't have large families. You stick all the, the kids in the part. back. Right. I mean, where, yeah, where are they going to sit in the pickup truck? And um, the, average, the average pickup is about 1,300 pounds heavier now than it was in 1990. It's almost a ton of Yeah, the, the average SUV is now pushing... About five thousand pounds, mm -hmm. not the crossover SUVs, mm -hmm. but the you know the the Escalades and, and so they, in other words, they can do more damage. But isn't there well, also it's a not just yeah, visibility, the visibility issue? issue. Yeah. That's the bigger problem, which is it's absolutely clear. In if you're sitting up high, in you cannot see what's directly in front of you. 
So what role do cell phones play in this? Oh, a huge role because, in fact, the, the, the uh, distraction of cell phones has been estimated to essentially negated all the advantage of having airbags in cars. Wow in terms of the number of deaths yeah. and other things that are going well, on. Part of it, too, is, you know, one thing that bugs me again is we've got up to 40,000 uh, uh, vehicle-related deaths a year. Well, 7,500 of those are pedestrians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and, 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 and bicyclists. Yeah, well, addition. bicycles, an additional uh, 1,200,000. 1, sorry, 1,200. But, you know, what troubles me, I, I, I was uh, digging a little deeper into some of this, and it, you know, some of, these, some of these pedestrian deaths, not most of them, but some of them, any, any would be disturbing. Some of them are intentional. There are drivers who get disgusted with a pedestrian for, or just, there was, there was one situation in Seattle just last month where, where a driver, you know, you know, was told hit this quote B word um, by someone inside the car. Mm-hmm. They actually filmed it and then they, they, and they went off and hit this person. Then they went off and hit another person mm-hmm. intentionally. Yeah. And then, you know, and that happened in California on the, uh, in a parking lot too. It's not just the coast though. What? It's Biden's fault. Blue state, Biden's well, fault. Well, then this one must be Kim Reynolds' fault because it happened in Iowa as well just a few months ago. Just a, oh, actually about a year ago. Mm-hmm. There was a guy, a guy intentionally ran over somebody, in a, again, in a parking lot. Yeah. But I have a friend here in Des Moines. She was, it wasn't intentional, but she was hit uh, crossing the street in a little commercial note in a neighborhood. You know, it just, uh, it happens way too often. And, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, I, I of, of all the... I don't know what you think is the biggest culprit, but I'm guessing it might be cell phones. Um, I, I think cell phones not necessarily for the distraction reason, but because cell phones are part of bringing the collective trauma to everybody's attention, you know. Um, and so you know, everyone has become, it's about me. Right, there's no collective anymore in the United States, and that tends to, you know, really ramp people's stress up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the world seems very disordered, very chaotic. Our world here is, in some ways, as chaotic as it's ever been, mm-hmm. and that's clearly, a, a, you know, from the tribalism of our political system right now, and in particular, from the preeminence of Donald Trump who is nothing yeah. more than a chaos well, And t- tied in with that was a survey done by the American Psychological Association a while back, and it found, uh, quote, the psychological impacts of a collective trauma from the pandemic, global conflicts, racism and racial injustice, inflation, and climate-related disasters are behind this growing sense of, of angst and decaying of concern for a fellow humanity, and, and that's one thing that leads to road rage as well. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not just it's not just road rage. It's just again, like people are just not paying any attention to anything but what they want at that time. I'm in a hurry. I'm going to get there. It doesn't matter, you know, what I do to get there earlier, you know. And the some of these things, but you know, these things were present too. Let's face it. Trump was president from sixteen to two thousand sixteen to twenty twenty, and. We weren't seeing this before the pandemic. Oh, so it is Biden's fault. No, I mean, the, pan- the pandemic was the last year of Trump's administration. It's not Biden's fault. <laughs> I know, I'm you kidding. Know, but, I'm kidding. But, I, but I, I think that there was a lot that has not been yet worked out. So what do, we, what, what, how do, what, do you, what do you see the, as the solution? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I think the solution in places that have tried to address this is uh, that... You have to increasingly isolate the pedestrians from the, the vehicles. So, for instance, in a place like Vegas, which I don't know if you've ever been there. Have you ever been there? Uh, yeah. I, I, well, I went to Vegas not to gamble but to um, protest nuclear testing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the Las Vegas Boulevard is, is like a drag race strip at times. Mm. And so, ultimately, they built overpasses over it to keep the pedestrians from even having to cross mm-hmm. the, you know, at street level yeah. um, and put more lights there, put more enforcement. I mean, that's unfortunately, you know, what's necessary and probably out on the roads. Um, it's the same thing, yeah. you know, and. Well, I mean, it's got to be a challenge to enforce laws banning the use of cell phones while driving, but. 
I mean, that would help. Although they, that would help. Although they, they interviewed a number of, of law enforcement people, and they said it, it doesn't take them 10 seconds to figure out by the way a person's driving whether they're using their cell phone. But can you actually prove it once you pull them over? Um, no, because the law is usually it has to be hands-free. Because mm-hmm. in most places, it's not, you're not prohibited to use your yeah. phone, but it yeah. has to be in a hands-free manner. But even, you know, even those of us, for instance, I use a headset. You know, and other people use Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. That's, you're still distracted. You are not in any way concentrating at the same level. And the other thing, of course, is look at the cars that, you know, even in the environmental realm, look at the cars and how they're advertised. Why do people like Teslas, among other things? They're super, they accelerate super fast, right? right yeah. Do you really need a car that makes it zero to 16, 2.6 seconds on an American highway? I, I think if you're O.J. Simpson, yes. <laughs> well... Well, but nevertheless, I, I, there's just a lot of things at work here. But ultimately, I think we, we've become an extremely mean society for and a lot of reasons. how do we fix that? <laughs> you, you know, know what? what? I'm going to do a segment on that That's next. a good we're, question. We're gonna t- we're gonna, That's we're gonna, an actually really good question. We're going we're gonna to talk about that next week because it, it doesn't need to be discussed. And I think, I think the solution is, is, is very comprehensive. It's got to be broad. It isn't just, you know, enforcing cell phone laws. It isn't just putting in calming traffic traffic calming devices. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot there's a lot that goes into it. No, that'd be a good discussion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was actually an excellent article by David Brooks on just that question. Yeah. Hey, got to run to a break here. Charles, thanks for joining me today. Folks, when we come back, uh, Kathy Burns is going to be with us and we'll be um, we'll be talking about maple syrup and I'll uh, send you out on this tune. Rush hour all day stuck in hail, bumper to bumper, such a fail, stuck in jail, my truck's a sale, I'd rather stab my brain with a rusty nail. Cause when I'm driving, I'm driven, in every ride that I sit in, I lose my mind, I admit it, and I'm quick to trip and lose my grip and flip you the bird, and I'll rage, <laughs> just like the nerd. Yeah, I see you in your Lexus rubbernecking, checking messages, texting for directions while you're Googling naked breastuses. These other drivers, they're all brain dead, I swear the traffic lights see me and they all change red. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. That's architecturebysynthesis.com. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate personalized service. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, check out Gateway Marketing Cafe. Hey, Kathy, welcome to the program, and we're talking some sweet stuff today. (laughs) We do like sweets, and maple syrup is a sweet that's going to start... Coming yeah, that's, on and well, on in certain also, parts of the country, it's yeah. coming at us pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that getting more curious about making maple syrup, and I just thought it'd be fun to talk about maple syrup. Who's doing it in a bigger way? Who's doing it kind of more medium and and, and kind of just at home stuff? Yeah, just for just just a, a word of caution, if you buy maple syrup in a store and it's called maple syrup or something like that it's probably not real maple syrup check the ingredients it might just have like some flavor added it might be otherwise just high fructose corn syrup right you don't want that stuff no no you don't because real maple syrup is so special and my dad used to make it um back when we lived on the acreage and that was really cool 
So here in Iowa, we know four maple syrup producers. Let's go from biggest to smallest. Okay, the biggest uh, maple syrup producer that we're familiar with, and there are others, it's uh, it's called Great River Maple in uh, Garnavillo. Garnavillo. Yeah. yeah, way up in Iowa, northeast Iowa. northwest of Dubuque, and they make two to 3,000 gallons per year, depending on the weather. Yeah, and we have, uh, we've got our maple syrup from them before. It's, it's quite good. And apparently they have like uh, like eighty five thousand trees. Yeah, Is that right? yeah. Uh, the the Potter family runs it. It's a family farm dating back to the eighteen hundreds. I did hear something kind of. I saw, read something kind of fun about that. Uh, back in the eighteen hundreds, they didn't really use it as big time maple syrup. They used it to uh, flavor the whiskey they were making. <laughs> okay, and apparently when you've got that many trees, you have kind of. And I've talked to the owner about this too. You've got kind of a system where you where it runs in tubes mm-hmm. from the trees into your, your processing tanks. Because, you know, it takes 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup. So And on another yeah. website, I saw 60, too. It, it kind of depends depend, on the tree. It depends and, yeah. on the tree and the sap. Yeah. So another uh, producer, not as large a producer, but uh, someone who's just uh, really into a lot of uh, cool experimental stuff, uh, Ben Hawks has front yard sugar maple syrup uh, in Ames. He taps, taps trees on people's front yards. <laughs> yes, yeah, and backyards. Yeah. Uh, frankly, front yard is the brand name. And, and he has a pretty cool system yeah. with some some uh, some more elaborate technology than we're familiar with, but uh, it's needed when you're producing 125 gallons. Well, he uses uh, he uses wood though to he burns to, wood to, to, to cook heat it, up yeah. his uh, and cook his sap, which uh, I think they have a little more sophisticated thing going on at Great River, maybe. Yeah, but, but but even Ben's uh, level of, uh, of production yeah. is sophisticated by my my uh, my standards. Yeah, no, so he produces about 125 gallons a year, but that's, or that's what he up. did last year anyway. Yeah. Uh, another producer that we know, uh, Ryan Francois and friends at the right. Woodland Realm uh, produce about 24. And that's here in Des Moines, mm-hmm. and they get their sap from I don't know how many trees. They, but, I don't um, know how many. They say they go from Sherman Hill, that's where we live, to Beaverdale, which is where you play Irish music on Tuesdays. Mm. Uh, it's a classic maple syrup. They're, now, the first three that we talked about all have some special infusions, like sure. you know, black cherry bark infused or bourbon infused or cinnamon. That kind of thing. So how Ryan's the, considering doing some infusions. How do you infuse infusions. bourbon into it? You... I think you pour it in. I don't. I <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't really well, with, know. Well, with cherry bark, I would like like with Ben's uh, cherry bark uh, maple syrup. You, that's it's um it's it's part of the process of it boiling the, down. The correct? bark, yeah, the bark is put into. So the, how does that the work boil. with bourbon? I, I'm sorry, you yeah. got me. Okay. So sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound good. It does yeah. sound good. So, Ed, last year you well, yeah, got ambitious no, I, and you I, tapped a few yeah, trees. I, and was, I had maple syrup envy, and I decided, hey, it's time for me to try to make <laughs> some maple syrup. And and we just collected, um, I think, uh, was it uh, five gallons, a mm-hmm. very small amount, five gallons from two trees just on, on the block where we live. Mm-hmm. And um, that made a pint. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a wonderful because, and, and we have, we have, I mean, we've, We've got plenty of wood, actually. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to try to do a little more than that this year. But We need um, a big cauldron. Anybody has a big iron cauldron, yeah. they can give us yeah. or barter with us. But, yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll use uh, Weber grills mm-hmm. and uh, ideally have two going at once and ideally be able to make a, a quart or more a day. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that, you know, for... Uh, four days, we'll have a gallon. We'll see. We did finish it off in the kitchen because you have to start watching it so carefully, yeah. and it's just harder to have the the flame control. And there the is, a, as I learned from helping uh, helping some other other folks do this, there's a, there's a knack to learning how to tap a tree. You you don't want to if you you could you could ruin your tree if you tap it in the same spot every time. For example, okay. you've got to always move your tap from one year to the next. Well, I love that a lot of people are learning the art. There are a lot of what I call sustainability arts that people are learning or relearning, um, like maple syruping, and uh, we need to keep these alive and well. And that's going to be part of our, you know, healthy food security in the future sure. and healthy living. And uh, I just think it's great people yeah, are doing it. Yeah, it's neat too that you, you don't, if you do it right, you don't hurt the tree. Mm-hmm. Even though you're taking a heck of a lot of sap out of it, that sap the tree can spare. It's like when I go give blood at the blood center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I You don't want to tap it. all of Kathy's blood at once. <laughs> that, would, that would get Please. ugly. But uh, yeah. 
Anyways, folks, we take you out with this little Pete Seeger tune. And I want to say thanks to our guest today, uh, J.D. Schulten, and to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Dediman, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. And thanks to our local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, and Western Optometry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Catholic Peace Ministry, Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility, Bold Iowa, and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. And thanks to the Des Moines Irish Session for our bumper music. Back next week, folks, with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio. Maple syrup time, split wood, not atoms. Keep up the fire, maple syrup time.